0: The title of this episode is Want Yourself. So my guest today, Katie, and I had a great conversation, which I'm just about to share with you about many things, but namely about... we are as our true self how we eliminate some of that negative self-talk and how we get to know ourselves as our soul being not all the layers or the personality or the things that happened in our life but like who are we really and exploring that as we all are at this time if you're listening to this podcast i guarantee you're having some level of exploration on like who am i really Um, because that's where we are on the planet at this time. If we're shifting our consciousness, we're asking ourselves those bigger questions. And so Katie and I sat down uh, to talk about her new book, which is Want Yourself, Shift Your Self-Talk and Unearth the Strength in Who You Were All Along. She's a writer, she's a speaker, a mindset coach, and a women's empowerment activist. She's the founder of Want Women Against Negative Talk a platform that gives women tips, tools, motivation, and inspiration to live fearlessly by shifting their negative self-talk patterns. So want yourself as a book to help you shift, not just what we say to ourselves, but like understanding who we really are and understanding our place in the world. It goes just beyond, Oh, you should speak nicely to yourself in the moment um, and looking beyond that to like, who am I really, who am, who is the self? Right? Who is the self of me? And It's giving you a strong base to help you make these shifts for the long run. Katie has over a decade of experience in the wellness space and almost two decades in public speaking and performance. She's spoken nationwide for South by Southwest and at Lululemon. She's done corporate workshops and creative nonprofits, talking about self-confidence, living fearlessly and shifting the emotional DNA that's helped shape our negative self-talk patterns. She's the the host of Wantcast, the Women Against Negative Talk podcast, which is in its eighth year, where she tackles subjects like loneliness, jealousy. Self worth and interviews visionary women about taking a pragmatic, proactive approach to the full spectrum of life's highs and low lows. As a mindset coach specializing in self talk, Katie helps clients work through their shame, doubt, overwhelm, and fears, both personally and professionally, so they can be proactive leaders in their own lives. She is a certified neuro linguistic programming coach practitioner by the NLP Center of New York and uses a combination of NLP strategies as well as her own methods honed over the last decade to meet each client with deep empathy, fierce support, and a highly individualized game plan. Katie was a founding editor of the Chalkboard Mag and has been teaching group fitness for 15 years. She's currently a top trainer on the digital fitness platform, Optive, I haven't heard that, but <laughs> very cool, where well, she reaches over 1 million users per month with her unique brand of positive, proactive coaching. Katie lives in New York City with her husband, Jeremy, and dog daughter, Frankie. She sends her energy on shifting the cultural self-talk paradigm, producing engaging new content for women, both online and off, advising creatives and entrepreneurs on how to use their unique strengths to make the biggest impact possible, and singing loud loudly while she runs. I love that. I do that too. So with no further ado, please help me welcome Katie to the show.
1: Katie, welcome to the show. We're so happy you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this all morning.
0: Yes, I'm, I'm so excited to dive into this. You know, there's so many things we've been doing this for so long. There's so many things we've talked about on the show. Um, but I think this aspect of self-talk and this aspect of like what goes on in our heads. And and I know a lot of times we're not even aware of some of the things that are going on in our head. You know, it's like an automatic record and we, we, and we have to become aware of that. Um, but we're talking about your new book, which I'm super excited. And we're going to dive into that. But before we do that, take us back to, you know, maybe 10 years ago. Like, where were you 10 years ago on your journey? And and what has started to evolve over that 10-year time? Like, if you look at the last 10 years of your life and you say, what has that evolution been for me? Like, what is the first thing that kind of comes to mind?
1: Oh, my goodness. I mean to be completely honest, the first thing that comes to mind is 10 years ago, I met my now husband. uh, And that was that was something that happened against against my will. I was on a dating app that a friend of mine forced me to join with her. Um, I was not into dating. I had been single for The five years beforehand. So, you know, the majority of my 20s. And my friend basically said to me, Look, we're going to go on a lot of bad dates and we'll get a glass of wine and talk about it after. But really, what this is about is about meeting the universe halfway because you are so focused on your path, which is incredible. However, what I see in you as a very close friend of yours is that you've kind of put on blinders. And if you stay on the course that you're in, I would hate for you to miss out on all of basically the surprise and delight that the world has to offer for you. So this is not about going on a date or meeting your person. This is about signaling to yourself that you are willing to step out, be courageous and trust yourself in the unknowns and you know just so happens that that led me to meeting my husband and uh you know moving to New York 4 years after and as they say the rest is history really i think when i think of the last 10 years it has been a process of doing exactly that of learning how to take that self trust that i had started to cultivate before that and really letting it live out in the world. And that is something that wasn't like a before and after switch. It really was something that was built in the micro moments. Like I talk about in the book throughout all of those years, throughout different coasts, throughout different people that I met. Um, And that really has all led me to not just where I am today, but I think who I am today, which is more important and frankly more interesting to me
0: it's so beautiful you know it's interesting i think it's the perfect time to be having this conversation i don't know are you into astrology at all oh 100% okay so there's like so many planets in retrograde right now um at the time that you and i are having this conversation like i think like seven planets are in retrograde which mm. you know some people think retrogrades this time of like oh my gosh it's awful don't do anything like it's chaos, you know, you have to stop your whole life. And I don't really believe that, but I believe it. It's a, a great time to like, look within, right. It's a time to kind of get quiet and to kind of reflect on, okay, what are the things that I've been through? You know, what's this journey been to kind of connect the dots between things. And so I've been doing a lot of that. And it's so funny because, you know, sometimes we have these times in our life where we're very like, ah, out there in the world, doing their thing. da da da. And then we have times, you know, and astrology, you know, can really tell us some of these times that call us to go within. And I think, you know, just in my own personal life, like I've been thinking about, and it was so funny. Cause as I was reading your book, I was like, you know, things come into your life at the right time. Cause I was thinking about like, where do some of these beliefs come from? And like, what are the beliefs? Cause we live out of these beliefs. We live out of this way that we talk to ourselves but we don't always like even know it's a belief, right? Like sometimes it just feels so solid. Like this is just who I am. And this is the way I see the world or this is the way I see this, you know, particular experience, but we don't even question those. And so as long as I've been doing this and that you've been doing this and on this journey, you still find these new places, right? Where you're like, oh, well, let me think about this. And so it's been a time of for me where I've been like having these aha moments. And it's so funny because like, you have them and you go, how have I never seen this before? Or how did I not, you know, realize this? Like I look at all these things all the time, but I feel like they come up at just the right time. And so, you know, I think your book Want Yourself is a great like kind of read, particularly, you know what I mean? In these times when like we're really evaluating and looking at ourselves. And so how like did that start to occur for you where you started to say like, what is this self talk within myself? Like, start becoming aware of this. And then I know your whole world, you're in this right conversation all the time. But, like, tell us about your journey with this.
1: Yeah. So, I think that it's probably useful right at the get go to tell people who are listening how I define self talk, because a lot of people think of self talk and they jumped to they jump to negative self-talk. They jump to the phrases that we say about ourselves that are less than helpful. Really. They're, they're hurtful on levels that we don't even realize sometimes like you just mentioned self-talk. I define it as it is the story that we tell ourselves 24 seven as we walk (laughs) through the world. So Sorry, my dog is barking.
0: That's okay. We we love <laughs> dog guests on the show too.
1: <laughs> oh fantastic. I was like, you can edit her out, she can be a guest star. Um Anyway, self-talk is the story we tell ourselves about ourselves as we walk through the world. And that can be everything from the biggest compliments that we give ourselves to the things that we say about ourselves that are rooted in self-doubt or fear. But at the end of the day, it is a story that we are telling ourselves. And a lot of times for... For many of us, it might not show up as talk to begin with. So there's actually a whole subset of people, which fascinates me because I am not this person, who speak to themselves, not in words, but in feelings and in stories and in images. And what we do when it comes to self-talk is we'll attach the most emotional word or phrase that we can think of to those more abstract feelings or images and a lot of people they experience both right they experience the inner monologue and they experience the more obtuse abstract feelings or sensations I realized that self-talk and particularly negative self-talk was something that affected me in my life so deeply when I was in my early 20s and I was hoping to, I'm not going to say recovering because that wasn't happening yet, hoping to recover from a whole host of Eating disorders, body related disorders, which really are mental illnesses. And this was in the early 2000s. And so, the way that we speak about mental health right now, um, you know, it's wonderful that we have so much conversation and so much nuanced language to speak about it right now. That was not the case in the early 2000s. And when it, especially when it came to eating disorders, it really was about what seemed typical and who it affected typically. So talking about anorexia, bulimia, and talking about, you know, being a certain weight, practicing certain things. I was like many people who struggle with those types of mental illnesses. I didn't fit those boxes. However, I was hyper self-aware. I was also a musical theater major, which we talked about before we got On air, we both have a performance background. And so, you know, when you are performing, especially when you're using your voice, you're using your whole body and you can really sense what's going on in your body. And what ended up happening is the way that I was treating myself, which I realized later stemmed so much from the way that I was talking to myself. It was affecting my physicality, not like the way that I looked, but the way that I I was able to breathe the way that I was able to carry myself. And it made me feel like I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not strong enough. And really it was everything that was going on under beneath, underneath that was bringing to the surface these phrases that actually held information that were saying something is not right here and you're hurting inside let's see what's going on. And so I started to play detective with myself, to be completely honest. And I started to realize that the way that people around me, women and otherwise people in my life and the media, I'm talking about everybody around me, the way that they spoke was with uh, an air of negativity that was so subtle that it was what I now call casual negativity. It's the negativity that we use that we almost are emotionless about, right? Like we'll say, I hate myself the way that I would say the sky is blue. And I realized that I had internalized this throughout my entire life. And so when I got into a situation where I felt so lonely, so out of control, so figuring out who I was, as many of us are in our late teens and early 20s and beyond, that was what I had to lean on. And so what happened is as I was doing this detective work within myself, I also realized that there was no place for people, particularly women, to go to that really explored what's at the root of our self-talk and how do we shift it in a real lasting way. And that sort of sparked all of the work that I do, you know, 15 years later now.
0: It's so beautiful. A story comes up for me that I think is so interesting because like, you can go back and say, when did this all begin, right? Like, when did I form a belief or like you said, you know, you're around women that are saying different things and you're kind of like absorbing that viewpoint, right? Or that energy or that belief system. And it takes me back to like, um, you know, I was a dancer when I was young and probably around like fifth and sixth grade, I kind of was just like a chubbier kid, right? Like I gained more weight. Like I I developed earlier than a lot of the other, you know, girls. And it's so wild because I literally didn't have any awareness of that. I didn't like have an opinion about that. I didn't even perceive that. Like I didn't look at Mm -hmm. other people and say, Oh, they're smaller than I am. None of that until I started dancing and I'll never forget this. Like you never know the one thing that's going to like impact you. But I remember like all of us would hang out in this little area, like in between classes or after class and talk and it had little couches, like at our dance studio and everyone's there. And like most of the girls that I danced with were like tiny, right? Like not even developed bodies right yet. And we're sitting in this area and this one girl who was just, I mean, like long legs and super, super skinny girl, like hadn't developed yet. And she was saying how fat she was. She's like, I am so fat. Like I'm going to, you know, eat less than 900 calories a day. And like knowing nothing at the time about anything about calories, like I am like, you know what I mean? A young girl, I haven't even thought about that a food has a calorie, right? Like I didn't even know what that was. (laughs) And she's like, I'm going to eat under 900 calories a day. And then these other girls were like, yeah, me too, me too. Like, I'm going to do that too. And I remember for the first time in my life, I'm like thinking, if she thinks she's fat, like, what am I? Right? If that perception, like, and it was the first time, you know, in my life that I ever felt like separate from, you know, because like we come into the world feeling like we're very connected, right? Like our our true essence is just this connection and love and finding connection. And we go through these like traumas as kids or these experiences that have us go, oh wait, I'm different, right? Or say to ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, in a story like this person's better than me or comparison, you know, all these things, right? That we kind of come into in our young life in one way or another. Um, And that was just like, it was a small moment in time but it created self-talk, right? That was, and it created a belief system like about myself. And and it's interesting because like as time evolved, like I grew out of that phase, right? And I was dancing all the time. So I was just using my body all the time, but that like moment never left, right? And that like feeling of, you know, like something's wrong with my body or I'm different or I have to try, you know what I mean? To be this, which I think in any type of performance art can really be a thing, right? Like I don't have mm-hmm. a good voice or I don't, you know, whatever somebody does, right? Like somebody else has something better and they're getting more jobs or they're getting more this. I mean, it's, I think it's a thing, right? In the community of performing arts. Um, but it's interesting that I look back on that and I'm like, I had no perception or discussion or feeling or anything going on prior to that moment in time and how these you know, moments that we have or being around like a group of people who had a certain belief system, like I adopted
1: that conversation in my head. 100%, yeah. And I mean, there's two parts to that. There's one, we are hardwired with, negativity bias to look out for negativity in our lives. And also there are studies and there's research that's been done that we as humans bond closely over negativity. So whether that is a shared enemy or like the casual negativity that I talked about before, like this is part of how we feel like, Oh, it's an easy way to connect. But I really I want to double tap into what you said about the people around you talking about their bodies and not talking about your body and who you are, but talking about themselves so many times, or at least a lot of times we will say to ourselves that we are, we are bad for feeling these feelings that we have named bad. However, what I hear in that moment, and not only do I have multiple similar stories, but I'm sure that every single person who is listening right now has some sort of similar story to what you just said. When we hear information from somebody else, it's so natural to want to be like, "Okay, well, how do I fit into the mix? How, where do, and not from a place of, of comparison or jealousy, or, you know, like a, a, this or that this is better. This is worse. We, we want to connect and what our brains will do oftentimes is go to, okay, well, if this person is saying this about themselves, what does that mean about me? And that can go down that negative route. And so I think that a lot of times when we talk about negative self-talk and we talk about how it is inherited from the people around us, it's also really important to note that it's not just people saying things to us and us internalizing those things. A lot of times it's about us filling in the blanks that, weren't even presented to us to be filled in, in the first place, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. And even like, there was a sense of like, I want to belong to like, if you're eating 900 calories a day, like I should want to do that. Right. Like, because I right. want to be a part of like the group of people like, Oh, this is a good idea. I don't even know what this means. Right? Mm-hmm. but but I will try to figure this out. Right. And I right. will like, do this too, to be part of the group. And it's such a great point that you say, because like, I think times, many times we think it's like just what people are saying to us, right. Mm-hmm. That's influencing that. And it's not, it's so much of what we are picking up and then perceiving in whichever way we perceive it in our environment. Mm-hmm. Like we, we make the meaning we extrapolate out from like, Oh, this is going on in my environment. What does this mean? Right? Yeah. What about me. What does it mean about the environment? What does it mean about life? What am I supposed to believe here? And then you know, if three people are in the same situation, they're going to all believe different things, or think different things, perceive it in a different way. It's so fascinating. And I want to also mm-hmm. give like airtime too to like the the parts that we might say are more positive or feel more positive, like parts of our story or things that are kind of our strong suit in life, like the beliefs and the things that we say to ourselves about areas that I guess someone might report and say, oh, this is a great area of my life or this I'm really successful at or this I feel really good at. Is there any like research that, or just from your working with people for as long as you have, like, is there more airtime for like one aspect than another? And like, what is the difference between how we self-talk about things that we perceive as like good or that we're successful at versus the things that we perceive as negative?
1: Mm, That is a great question. As far as the, you know, positive self-talk and the the good things that we feel, it's actually more complicated than we sometimes like (laughs) give ourselves credit for um because we can have really complicated feelings about these things and we're like oh well I'm just I'm just gonna write it off and I'm gonna uh push that to the side because yeah that's great but let's really dig into the negative stuff because there's a lot to work with here and there's got to be stuff under it there's stuff under the stuff that we name positive too because self-talk inherently isn't good or bad, positive or negative, it's information. And it's what we do with that information that informs what happens next and next and next and next. So a lot of us, we will self deprecate to relate talking about exactly what we just talked about that that sense of like seeking out connection. And that is, might happen within a group of people. So if you're thinking back, I, I just uh, rewatched the movie mean girls over the weekend. And there's that scene where they're all looking in the mirror and they're like, "Ugh, I, I hate my calves or my, this is so whatever. And then they go to Lindsay Lohan's character and she goes, uh, I have, I have bad breath sometimes when I wake up in the morning and they all go ew. And it's this moment of bonding between yeah. them. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that character of uh, Lindsay Lohan's, like she's never realized that this is a way that people bond. And so I think that a lot of times when positive things come up, we can can have an impulse to go straight to the self-deprecation because we have gotten these ideas over the I mean, not just years, like decades, centuries worth of time, that confidence and feeling good about yourself is synonymous with narcissism or vanity, you know, and then there's the other part of positive self-talk that can be related to oddly enough, like scarcity mindset. Or clinging. I think that sometimes what can happen, especially if we've been getting a lot of positive reinforcement or validation from other people, or we've been getting messages and internalized messages that we're really good at something, there's a fine line to walk between owning that and clinging to that as your one way that you are are valuable because what happens when your life changes or you change or maybe you don't hit that mark once that's when that negative self-talk can swoop in and is way more likely to cut you down from a place of protecting yourself you know because negative self-talk ultimately so many times wants to keep us safe it senses danger so you're not hitting a mark or you're not bonding with a person, okay, that's danger. And so negative self-talk is going to come in and protect you from that. And I find that when it comes to even those phrases or those feelings, when it comes to feeling good about ourselves, it's worth looking into how much do I believe that defines who I am? And how can I hold an and both mentality of this is something that is so awesome. And I am going to own this with pride and confidence and trust in myself. And also, it's not the entirety of who I am, because I am a human with human emotions going through human things. I am not a robot. This is a very good thing. And I'm going to allow space for all of myself to exist.
0: I love that. And I love that in the book, like I wrote that down immediately, like this concept of clinging and scarcity, right, being related. And the things that we cling to, like whether it's something we deem as negative, again, we're just putting a lens on it or something we deem as like, oh, this is who I am. I'm so good at this. Everybody praises me for this, that I'm going to only look through this lens or only do these things because this is where I get, you know, a lot of positive reinforcement. But like, ultimately, there's a fear behind that right? There's a fear of like, this is where my value is. Therefore, this is where I have to focus. And if that goes away, maybe I'm valueless, right? Maybe there's nothing important or great about me because this is what people see me as or praise me for. And so ultimately, like I never thought about, like I thought about the word fear, but I never thought about scarcity. That is so impactful because like if we're in that scarcity mindset, and I think that a lot of our like DNA, right? A lot of the stuff that comes through us, like if you look deep into that has to do with scarcity because I think a lot of our ancestral DNA, like we went through lots of things based around scarcity, simply like scarcity of food, right? Scarcity of shelter, scarcity of like being able to survive, like real survival instinct scarcity issues and fears around that. And so I feel like that shows up in different people's lives in different ways. But like, when I'm looking, you know, into kind of like the many lives and the many different experiences of a person, like there's a lot of scarcity that runs through our programming. And, and it's tricky, right? Like how it shows up in people's Mm -hmm. lives. And like, it's tricky, I think, for people to see that ultimately when you peel back the layers, what's really there is that like scarcity feel that feeling, right. We've all had it. Like we've all had that feeling where it's like, it almost makes you like, you know, like stop breathing when you feel a sense of scarcity. And I think it's really important to like, look into that. Like, I love that you talked about that in the book.
1: Oh, I'm, I love that that stood out to you. And that's something, you know, scarcity, fear, you mentioned fear. I mean, like you said these are things that and and habits and ways of being and ways of thinking that we've developed to help us out like if there is food scarcity and you are feeling that then you are aware and you're able to say okay how can i get sustenance i need to get sustenance because There is not enough here. And whether that, you know, going back, going back centuries to different, different famines where people were, were immigrating to different parts of the world where they could find those basic level needs to, you know, what we see today in our day to day lives of, okay, I'm feeling like, um, there's no food in the fridge. I see that there's no food in the fridge. Okay, I I, I need to go to the market. You know, like scarcity isn't a bad thing to to notice and for it to come up in you. I'm very mindful of not villainizing a certain mindset or way of being and way of feeling. Um, not to say that there's like good behind everything per se, but there is intention behind Everything And so I think that exactly what you said, being able to look into what is actually behind what you're feeling and uncovering and unearthing what's underneath all of that, that is so important because you might find like, oh, wow, there actually isn't enough of this thing and I need to go fill that. Or it might be like, oh, I have been made to believe or i've developed conclusions that there isn't enough of this thing or there's not enough whether whether that's love or uh job opportunities or you know comparing yourself to someone else i know that this is something that i felt especially when i was you know a teenager and finding my place and uh you know finding my different friend groups i thought oh well if this person loves this person, then maybe they're not going to be friends with me anymore because they're getting everything from that person. You know, there's so much to dig into and so much good information that can be found if we just sort of like pop the hood of what we're feeling and take a look at the mechanics underneath.
0: Yeah. And I love your point about there is nothing like inherently like most of the time when we're digging through some of what we're talking about, like bad or good if you can hold it in a place of just like valuable right because if we feel a sense of fear or scarcity like that might just need to be expressed and felt right instead of like holding it in or trying to run from it like sometimes like courageously just being able to be with the feeling is like enough to start to release that energy so that we're not so panicked about whatever that thing is that we're panicked about. And, mm-hmm. and then the other side of that immediate like, oh, I can't breathe, I can't feel this. And the other side of that is like, oh, I can actually do something about this, right? Like there's a different choice maybe I wanna make or you know, a different like place I can go or thing that I can experience. Other than what's making me feel like I can't breathe, but we never get to that next place if we can't just be with it, right? And feel it, right and let it process through. If we're bumping up against things and then running, then we never get to the gold, you know, in the awareness of what's on the other side of that. So I just think that's awesome. I love that you dive into that. And I want to talk about, because I have a grandmother who had such an important, you know, part in my life and role in my life. And I think a lot of times too, there are certain things that um, skip generations. So like, it's not um, it's, it's probably pretty common to have connections with like, you know, from grandchild to grandparent and things that like, you know, kind of understandings that maybe, you know, you don't have with your actual parent or that they didn't have with their parent, like that type of thing. So you talk a lot about your gammy, you call her in the book. Um, what are the gifts? Like, I don't want to give away all the stories that you tell in the book, but like, what was the impact of her on your life? And what were the gifts that she left you with?
1: No. You know, it's so interesting to me when I am asked about my grandmother and uh who's who passed away some years ago. She passed away actually right before the pandemic. Um and I think back and I think of like, okay, well, what are the what are the lessons? And when I think of like what she actually taught me, because a lot of people say, well, my grandmother my grandparent always told me to do X, Y, Z. Um, this is not in the book, but she actually, she would always say to me once I got home from a vacation or had a great experience, she'd say, uh, make sure that you write it in your journal. And she would always, always say that. And I have, I mean, I'm looking at them right now. I have journals upon journals upon journals. And that has really helped me keep the story of my life present for myself, not just in the future when I'm looking back on it, but in the moment, it really helped me process the moment that I was in. And, you know, I don't know if I would have done that as regularly if she hadn't told me that as regularly. But when I think of, besides like what the lessons that she actually taught me, when I think of the lessons, it's more of what I drew from her, mainly after she passed away because i think that sometimes when we are when we're so close to people for literally the entirety of our lives and and then we're gone they're gone we sometimes can have difficulty of like you know they say that hindsight is 2020 20, right like we we can't have hindsight in the moment and so we're in the moment with these people that are having a huge effect on us. And then they're no longer there. And we have to reckon with like, okay, well, what was their presence in my life? What is no longer here? And what am I going to take with me? Um, Because just because they're no longer here, doesn't mean that the way that they have impacted me is no longer here. And I think that the biggest lesson that I got from her in hindsight, is being able to hold that dichotomy of the and both at all times. My grandmother was incredible, she was so vivacious. She was, I say in the book, like her, her giggles would like bubble over like champagne. She was immensely talented. She was a a painter. She was an artist. She never was a professional artist, like never sold her work, but she painted for herself and the art was all over her house. She was so, so devoted and lit up by her family and her role in the family and really creating a sense of togetherness. And also, she could be really tough, and she could hold people who were really close to her to really high standards without, you know, those people actually knowing that that's what she was doing. And it could come out in ways that that could feel critical, that could feel like, you know, maybe you weren't good enough for for the moment or for her, if you didn't do X, Y, Z. And there was something, and I talk about this in the book. I was really amazing when she passed away, she gave my, my mom, her journals, speaking of journals. And my mom and I went through them and we like, didn't find any crazy family secrets or anything, but (laughs) I was able to really see her, throughout these really formative years of her lives. I mean, these journals were from like when she was a teenager to into her late teens, early twenties, when she um, married my grandfather. And I was able to see sort of like these striking similarities and this woman who in many ways was the same at 90 years old as she was at 19 years old and I think the lesson there was that we all have choices as to who we are and how we move forward in our lives. And sometimes I feel like maybe I was the person that she could have been if she was born in another time. And that's why we bonded so closely. Like she saw so much of like that, that other path that fork in the road that she could have gone down in me. Um, And in many ways I would look and I would read these entries and I was like, Oh, I, I relate to that. I see myself in that. And I think this idea of no one thing is just one thing is something that really sticks with me at a very deep level. When I reflect on my grandmother and the way that, um, you know she continues to impact my life now because again just because she's gone doesn't mean that our story together has ended
0: yeah i love that that's so beautiful and to be able to see the person before anybody knew her really before she was a mom right before she was mm-hmm. a grandma like that's so fascinating my grandma left poetry um and i you know, she was, she wrote poetry like throughout her life and she left them for me. And I made books for like our whole family, but it revealed so much of like who she was in those younger years, like before any of us knew her, you know, she had a whole world before any of us were a part of her life. And so it was just really, it's fun to like, understand that history right and i think i think you're right on like i got goosebumps when you're talking about like she saw in you a path that you know what i mean that she didn't take but what was possible and isn't that like what we ultimately want is for you know our like next generations to be able to forge an even you know brighter path or to like learn that next evolution of humanity and to be able to like live that out i mean it's so beautiful to think about that. And you are definitely, you know, that for her and like, and, and I feel like she's felt such immense joy watching your life unfold. Um, and just being able, you know, whether she was able to fully express that or not, like, I just feel like that was really present for her. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's a beautiful connection. So I love that. And there are so many personal stories you share in the book that I just think really help us as readers, like get to know you and get to know, you know, the why behind your work, which I think is really special. And um, the book is called Want Yourself, Shift Yourself Talk and Unearth the Strength in Who You Were All Along. So tell everybody where they can connect with you and find you online.
1: Yes. So first of all, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. This is one of the earlier interviews that I'm doing that's based in the book and that involves someone who has read the book. So this has been so wonderful and so thrilling for me. Um, if people are are listening and they want to find more, they can head to womenagainstnegativetalk.com for All of the tips, tools, motivation, inspiration to shift your self-talk patterns, um, that platform, it it launched in the version that it's right now in 2015, so there's a large breadth of information and resources there. They can also find me on Instagram at Katie Horwich. It's just my name. They can find my podcast, The Wantcast, on iTunes, Spotify, wherever they listen. And of course, they can find Want Yourself, Shift Your Self Talk, and Unearth the Strength in We Were All Along, wherever books are sold.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much for for hanging out. It was so fun to get to know you. We have so many personal connections we chatted about before we jumped on here. So this has been a wonderful way to start my morning and just appreciative of you putting all this beautiful work out into the world.
1: Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me.
0: lovely this is shauna lee i hope you enjoyed this episode of the soul frequency show if you got even one piece of valuable information head over to apple Podcasts and share a review with your takeaways and follow us because we got lots more goodness to come we are spreading the love far and wide and you know where to find me over at ig at the soul frequency until the next time love Here's to positive vibes and powerful awakenings.